All right, you are listening to episode 17 of our podcast. My name is Dieter Randolph. And I'm Jenny Randolph. And uh, as we gather around, you said something the other day, Jenny, that I thought was so cool. I wanted you to share it with the crew. And it was that thing about fish love, remember? Yeah, it wasn't... I think I saw it on Facebook and it was a video and it was actually a rabbi who was talking about it and do you, do you remember did I show you the video no you just told me about it when we were on our walk the other day and I just oh thought I it thought was that so... I, I thought that I showed you I no, showed you show me a video about a giraffe being born but that's a whole different yay it's a little boy I'm so excited yay <laughs> he has his mother's hooves oh he's adorable he uh, anyway okay back to fish love um, we'll talk about the giraffe. It sounds like the title of a terrible sitcom. Yeah, it does, but that's okay. Um, anyway, no, the idea is is that there's this there's a story that this rabbi is telling, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna butcher it. I know, but bear as with me. As long as you do it kosher. <laughs> anyway, I know that I'm probably going to to get the story a little bit incorrect, but. Bear with me because the sentiment is is there. So the story is being told. Um, guy comes into a rabbi. <laughs> but um, no, and he is saying, "I really love fish." And what he's talking about is he, you know, he likes to go out and he likes to catch the fish and he likes to cook the fish and he likes to eat the fish. And the rabbi says to him, he's like, "Don't tell me that you love the fish." Because you're you're catching it and you're eating it and you're yeah. killing it. Be as a fish about that, right? Exactly. You love yourself, mm. which is why you're eating the fish. Yeah, you like the way it makes you, you like feel the way it makes you feel. It, you like yeah. the act of catching it, cooking it, eating it. You're not doing it for the fish. You're doing it for yourself. And so the idea is is he went on to say that a lot of times that's what love in relationships look like it looks like fish love to where you are in the relationship with the other person and you are in it because it makes you feel good because they're giving you something Mm -hmm. and you know i think we have touched on this several times but it was really interesting to put it in that story and so i i love i love that because the question comes up, you know, for anybody that's in any kind of relationship, and I don't think it always has to be romantic. No, there are certainly friendships that go that way in professional relationships and even an individual's relationship with their job, let's say, that can be like that. Sure. And and I think the question is, is am I in it because I am getting something back mm-hmm. or am I in it because I'm giving something or is this an equal playing field? Is right. this equal, you know, give and take situation? Because I want to be very clear. You are allowed to be happy. And you are allowed to be on the receiving end of good things. And you are allowed to be on the receiving end of somebody that loves you and compliments you and thinks that you are just the best person on the planet. And you're allowed to have that. Yeah, but, but that's if a it's, byproduct. Right. It's but not if it's the goal. All, but if that is all that it's about... That's fish love because it's about oh I'm in this because I'm I, it makes me feel good. I love way. that. I love that because fish love inevitably leads to somebody being consumed, 
you might be the fish in that situation. If I love you with the attitude of what can I get out of it, I end up taking a part of your personality, a part of your identity because you are subsumed under what I want and what I can get out of it. You end up being the fish. If I love you in that possessive kind of controlling kind of egotistical kind of way, no bueno. Yeah, you know, I don't want. I don't want to be no fish. <laughs> I, I don't want. No, that's that's not. Okay. But so that's the question. Ask yourself about your relationships and all of that. Is this fish love? Am I thinking primarily about what I'm going to get out of it at the end? That is the opposite of non-attachment. That is profound attachment to a very specific outcome. And you're either going to get frustrated because you're not going to get what you want, or you're going to get that thing you want, and it's very unhealthy. So either way, not so good for you. So. What's your goal? Like I said, happiness, fulfillment, reward, let's say, is a byproduct. And it's so much better, so much more efficient to not worry about that and concentrate on what you are engineered for. And that's service, contribution, production. I was just impressed that there was something worthwhile on Facebook in the first place. So that is a minor miracle in and of itself. Yeah, you may have found the only thing on Facebook (laughs) You know, I got to say, and I want to talk about this some other time, is the whole social media thing. I used to have it wired to where I would get an email when somebody commented on something on Facebook or whatever. And so I never actually went into Facebook. I would deal with the email and it was that was it. But Facebook has changed the way they do things where you kind of have to go to Facebook. And as you know, we do so much of you know, getting the word out about what we're up to on Facebook and a huge percentage of the people we interact with, with our podcasts and and with our speaking and with our book and all that, we do so over the internet. And so a lot of people we deal with, we deal with through Facebook. And so I end up having to be on it a lot, not crazy about the experience. I don't like the Facebook version of humanity. Right. If there is something out there that somebody discovers that's, that's better than Facebook, I am... I am so all for that. And, you know, we make our own world. And I hear everybody talk about it all the time. Oh, well, you know, this is what's terrible about Facebook. And I'm, I'm thinking, let's, let's collectively decide that there is something better. I'm going to claim that right now. And I'm, no, seriously. And I'm, I'm, you can laugh. You can laugh. But it's going to be this moment. People are going to go, you know, time go to travel. Book. No, no, no. What's going to happen is, is like 30 years in the future, they're going to pinpoint a moment of time and it'll be this moment of us broadcasting this podcast where I have, where I say there has to be something better. Let's decide collectively and it'll be like, aha, and a team of scientists will come back and, and, and do all of that. I'm all I, in favor. Right? I'm all in favor. Because, because we, I hear everybody all, oh, I just wish I didn't have to use it. And, well, okay, let's then, just decide that, let's decide that we don't have to use it. I think somebody needs to be like the first one to start strike out and say no we're not doing it anymore i love that which is so funny because everybody says they hate facebook but everybody's on the darn thing somebody's not telling somebody's not telling the truth i wrote an article a long time ago it's not on our website it's on medium.com i have an account there that i hardly ever use every once in a while i will write something that i feel like doesn't really go on our website not because it's inappropriate that way but just because it's not it doesn't fit the idea of the site and a long time ago i wrote an article about uh, I, I think it's called Transforming So-So Media, something like that. I was trying to be cute instead of social media. But anyway, bonus points for, for the inquisitive listener. Go find that article. But there's some stuff about 
some things that people do on Facebook that drives me nuts. Sure, sure. But anyway, but speaking of an amazing team of scientists, I have a question for you. And this is a question that we have sort of asked people and that people get asked. There is a company out there now called Mighty Meats. And I am on their email list, their newsletter, everything. It is a group of people, group of scientists, mm-hmm. and from all different walks of life. One happens to be vegetarian. There's like all kinds of stuff. But what, okay. Mighty, what Mighty Meats is doing is they are making stem cell meat. So far, they've made a meatball, and they made a chicken nugget. <laughs> and it is real meat. But it is grown so, in so a lab. Genetically, the same as right. It's, it's not. Like a it's clone not clone of a burger kind of thing. Is that what, right? The cells are the same. They're not genetically modified or anything like that. No, but I mean, like on that level, biologically, right? Biological. It is, yes. It's not soybean derived. For no, example. no. It is, it is. It is a. It is a cow cell or a chicken cell that is. It. But nothing has to. Nothing has died. Mm-hmm. Because this, because a cell is a cell is a cell, right? And um, no suffering, no suffering, and no um, yucky bacteria, no things. Yeah, all like, of the terrible of the things terrible that happen with that happen, factory like, farming, right? So, okay, well, okay. or just animals who are living. I mean, they have to go to the bathroom, and a lot of times, what happens with the contamination is because of you know their poo. And that's what happens is it contaminates no, and everything our else. explicit label well, on the Well, I was, I no, was trying to be. I, no, but. Um, I was trying to be. But all of that goes away because it is done in a factory and it's clean. It's sterile. Not even a factory. I guess like a lab. Well, a lab. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Misspoke. But anyway, so it's done in a lab and it's clean. It's sterile. Um, nothing had to die. Well, and, and that's huge too because like a, a big part of ozone layer stuff has to do with the methane that comes out of cows, yeah. for example. And so, there's a lot of things around. There's a huge environmental Right, so there's problems right, problems that, that surround the poo and the toots. Oh, man. And uh, <laughs> and also, uh, I know, I'm sure I'm going to get the figures wrong, but it takes an incredible amount of water, water and, and land right. to and grow so that all what goes amounts away. to so like the environment, a pound of hamburger. Right, so the environmental impact goes away. We're into like... Star Trek territory here. Yeah. No, for, for real. It's it's kind of amazing. Well, and the thing so, is, that you're also describing the beginning of some sci-fi horror thing where there's zombies because somebody ate a burger made out of biological well, clone. Well, or Soylent but, Green okay, is yeah. people. I mean, and I just don't you know, see Charlton Heston doing that. But Well, honey, he's dead. That's true. That's true. Oh, no. Maybe he's the... Okay, anyway. Um, Anyhow, so the question... <laughs> Okay, we've really gone. Soylent Green is Heston. So off the track here. Oh, my Lord. Okay, so the question about this and what interests me is the last thing that I gave up 21 years ago. Mm -hmm. That's how long you've been a vegetarian. Right, was chicken. Mm -hmm. I gave up chicken. Chicken is... was my thing. It, It really was. And so, and and through the process of... Being a vegetarian, finding a replacement for that chicken. And I will say Beyond Meats has done an amazing, amazing job. And that is, they're so good. Oh, But yeah, let's not go off on that tangent. We'll do that another time. But anyway, the question is, 
would you, as a vegetarian... And I've been a vegetarian for even longer than you. Right. Would you eat the meats from Mighty Meats? Would you eat a meatball? Would you eat a chicken nugget from Mighty Meats? You would, right? I would. Yeah. I would because... And, and we've talked about this on a past episode about the reasons that I am a vegetarian. And um, if nothing had to die for it, yeah, I think I would. I, 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 I really do. I think that I would at least try it. I don't know if it would weird me out, though. See, after after the... more than two decades of not eating meat, I don't know if it would weird me out. Well, only there's, because, there's, there's levels to you know, it because they say that you lose the ability to process some of that stuff efficiently. Biologically, we're not supposed to be eating meat, or at least not nearly as much as people well, eat. Well, yeah, so yeah, not I, the amount. I give you, I, when I, I had been a vegetarian forever, and when I was a teenager, I got braces, like a lot of teenagers do, and when I got the braces off, it was so painful, I couldn't eat anything for a while, and all I was craving was a burger, and I hadn't had one in years. And I got a burger and I ate it and the person I was with, they had one too. There was nothing wrong with the burger, but I got super sick. Now, was that psychological? I don't know. But they say that you lose some of that ability because you're not supposed to. So there's that. Like piece. the enzymes that yeah, break whatever. down you those can't, particular you can't proteins and stuff. Because yeah. we don't have the kind of intestines that a hardcore carnivore has People okay, go, but that's not the okay. question. I, 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 and I, I love that, and yes, and and I understand why you're veg- That is not the question. The question is not whether or not you can digest it. The question is, would you take a bite? Right. Well, I'm, I'm just saying that even if I would, there's a chance that it would make you sick. And I'm saying that I wouldn't want to go there. I would probably try it. Okay. But where I sit right now, I don't think I would enjoy it because it's true that that my definition when we had it we talked about this on a past episode what it really came down for to for me was i just want to get through the day without something else having to die in order for me to get Mm -hmm. you know that's the that's the core of it right but that all goes away so that goes away and no suffering right no nothing so that's beautiful i love that and so ethically I'm a lot more comfortable with it. I think this is beyond an ethical issue and just into a skeeving you out kind of an issue. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's a comfort level thing about whether or not you would even want to go back to that because, you know, but that's also a judgment where, you know, that you, I don't know. Well, I'm going to put a judgment out there. Everyone should be a vegetarian. It is ridiculous in this day and age. I'm sorry, but it is ridiculous in this day and age for people to have to have other things die when there are so many other choices. That's it. There's no argument for why someone should eat meat. You should not eat meat. It's not very good for you. It's 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 not ethical. There's no argument to defend eating meat. If you want to do that, there's also no argument to defend driving without a seatbelt. There's no argument to defend a lot of things people do. I'm just saying, if you want to ask me what you should do, you shouldn't eat meat. Okay, enough of that. Beyond that, it's it's yucky. I remember we had a I had a student a long time ago when we had the storefront church and he said that he went vegetarian not because of what we were talking about with our uh, spiritual stuff, but rather because it occurred to him that it was no different than his arm. 
and it just for some reason that just was his Kaiser Soze moment where it just really it just he was done and it just grossed him out forever and so if I were to grow you this is the test if I were to grow in a lab a copy of your own arm you wouldn't bite into that that's gross, though. Not, I don't know. I don't know. You're yeah. harsh. In, you're super harsh in my body. Because you just wanted some fried chicken. Because I just want some chicken. <laughs> it's been 20 years. Fair enough. And, you know, just for the record, I know you know this, but just so our listeners get a little window into my weird mind, the last time I ate meat was on our very first date because I ordered steak because I was trying to be a big shot. That was... I had been a vegetarian for a while, and I don't know what I was thinking, but... Didn't, that was not... You were in love. Well, yes. <laughs> yeah, that same night on our first date, I got up to go to the restroom. And it was, in my own defense, it was an old... It's still there, the restaurant. But it had been built onto a number of times. And so there was a lot of little confusing hallways and corners. But I got up to go to the restroom and I was lost. You were gone for a while. Yeah, and it, and I was like... And it was one of those things where I'm, I was worried that you're going to think, gosh, he's in there for a long time. Is he all right? But I was wandering around the restaurant blind with passion because I just couldn't... I, I couldn't. That's all right. You could do a dine and dash. Leave me with the check. No, oh, that was tempting. No, <laughs> no, that wasn't it at all. That wasn't it at all. Hook, line, and sinker. So as we move to the dig in portion of the podcast tonight, I think we should do a little bit of a recap for the folks about how Easter went before we get into sort of the topic. Because okay. I, I do think that it is relevant um, to talk about a little bit of, of Easter and, and what happened. And I thought Easter was beautiful. The sunrise service was really, really perfect. We had 50 or 60 people out I in the park. I couldn't believe how many people showed up for the thing. Right. At 6.30 in the morning, I was like, God bless. Yeah. You know, you angels. It was, it was Every great. single one of them. Because it was just, it was the four of us. Mm-hmm. You and me and Miles and Raina. And we, we, we got up super early, of course, and uh, it weirded the dog out. He didn't know what was going on. But, but uh, we got to the park and nobody was there. And so it was like, well, maybe this is just going to be us. Because we had heard some people say that a lot of people come. Some people say, oh, there's going to be 100 people. And some people said, oh, there might be like 12 people. And we had some friends of ours that we knew would probably show up. But we didn't really know because I right. wouldn't have judged anybody if they'd have said, you know what, it was just too early. I wanted to Well, make and it, it was night. a little bit cold. It was in the mid-60s and it was dark and yeah, it was windy. It yeah. was windy. And so it really was not... It wasn't comfortable to be out there. You and really did have to have... We all had, you know, jackets on and, sure. it, you know, so, I mean, it... It was one of those things. Right. I wouldn't have... I wouldn't have looked down on anybody that decided to stay home in their warm beds. Yeah. But Let so, we, we got way. there and then there was... Uh, the electricity hadn't been set up and uh, we didn't know where anything was. And, you know, it was really... It was, it was one of those things. But all of a sudden... A bunch of things came together all at once. A guy mm-hmm. from the parks department showed up in a golf cart and put, you know, got electricity for us, and and uh, just people started showing up and helping, and you know, it was just it was real kind of a barn raising kind of a thing. But at the end of the day, there was no big production. There was a lot of people, at least fifty people, and then other people who never seen before in my life who were like on the other side of the sidewalk. Right. They just sort of gravitated in. Yeah, gravitated in. It it felt really good. But at the end of the day, it was just you and me and Miles and Raina doing church. And 
you know, I've never been a big church kind of guy. There's things that I think it's wonderful that when uh, Joel Well, I Osteen, think you, uh, yeah, I think that you should clarify. Because yeah. cause you, you are a big church guy, but you're not a big church guy. <laughs> so yeah, you need, to, you need am, to clarify I'm, what, what you mean. I'm really into church. Yes. <laughs> in a big way, honey. But, um, <laughs> but uh, no, I, am, I never really cared about big church. I love the idea that what Robert Schuller did back in the day. I love it that Joel Osteen can can do what he does, and there's I don't know thirty thousand people or something in the in the auditorium. And hey, you know, good for them. I love that. Yeah. So you're talking about like the mega churches. Yeah, but I'm even talking about it's it's challenging because the things that speak to me as a preacher involve real contact with people really having time to touch people's lives and and be a part of somebody's spiritual unfoldment and it's very difficult to do when you have anything like a large group of people Mm -hmm. you know jesus hung out with 12 guys you know there's there's that level of of thing and so getting to do something that was very stripped down that it was not, there was no slick presentation. It was just us, and the PA system wasn't very good, and we had to fiddle around with well, that. Well, it and wasn't ours. It was it borrowed. Was, it was borrowed. But the, yeah. but the point is, it, none of that mattered. In fact, it kind of added to it for me. And it was just, you know, the music was Miles and Raina on an acoustic bass and an acoustic guitar, and it was beautiful, moving, in fact, I thought. And that's all you need. Yeah, your message was very, very good. And I loved that the sun came up as you were speaking and it started to warm everybody up. And it was it was a beautiful, beautiful service. And it was a wonderful start to Easter. And we had a really good rest of the day. Yeah. And, um, well, I loved everything about it. I loved, we were right in the middle of downtown St. Petersburg, the finest city on the face of the earth. Just, I loved being in the city. I loved the the whole thing. But so that kind of leads us into what we want to talk about tonight. And I think Easter is such a beautiful message because Jesus is not on the cross anymore. He's alive. He comes back. Mm-hmm. All of that. You can do it. You you know, it's a it's a wonderful message of overcoming. Awesome. Yay. Everybody feels really good. They're jazzed up. They get to Easter, and now everybody's like, "All right, let's eat." Yeah. <laughs> and the I guess the question is, what happens after Easter? Well, because and specifically, people are like, "Okay, where is he now?" Right. Exactly. And and why did he go? Where is he? And that's a that's a question that I think people struggle with. I mean, I think mainstream, you know, Judeo Christian people. Well, he's sitting at the right hand of God, and he's up in the clouds somewhere, well, and, and that's that's just where Jesus is at. And you get some other, well, let's say fringe religious traditions in one way or another that will say, oh, no, after that he went to the Americas and talked to the Native Americans. After that he went to India. It becomes like, where in the world is Carmen San Diego? He's in Reykjavik, <laughs> you know. But... um. You know, and there's a lot of uh, people who theorize different journeys that Jesus might have taken. You know, did he go to, a, a, you know, a monastery and learn the art of Kung Fu and come back to fight crime in right. Gotham City? I mean, there's just all kinds of stuff. 
Now the only thing I can think about is the theme song to Carmen Sandiego and trying to replace like words with the Jesus stuff. So Yeah, the, the gospel according to Rockapella. But anyway Man, um, I loved Rockapella though. Do it, Rockapella. The point is that whether it's a physical thing that he went to India or Tibet or whether he went to the Americas or whether he went to anywhere or whether it's some kind of a spiritual thing, whether he's, whether he's sitting at the right hand of God or, or whatever, there's a lot of speculation about where Jesus goes after the ascension. Mm-hmm. And that word is kind of important because one of the things I've heard well-meaning people say is, you know, Jesus is one of those ascended masters. And I want to take a minute on that because I'm sorry, but it, it it's one of those, I have a list of pet peeves. I try to be a peaceful person and all of that, but there's a couple of things that I just got to go, guys, come on now. No, not that. That's not the thing, you know. There's a couple of different versions of the Ascended Master idea. There's even a Wikipedia page on it, if you want to really look it up, what that means and all of that. The short version, and, you know, the details vary, but but the generic version is that there are a group of people that, because they have achieved some kind of mastery over spiritual stuff, they get to go up into heaven or the ethers or the great beyond or whatever and they're looking down on us, guiding us in some way or another. In my mind, it's like the super friends. They're just yeah, kind of up where in, is their secret yeah, layer? Yeah, they're in. Meanwhile, you know, it's it, it's that kind of an idea. And then if you go to like the Wikipedia page or you look up some of the literature on it, um, it's very, very complicated where there's like eight levels of ascension and you get to be a golden being and you get your spiritual black belt and then you get to go up and... But once again, at the end of the day, whether it's complicated or somewhat straightforward, the idea is that you get to go away and you look down on on us normal humans and that sort of thing. Now, that's not in the Bible. No. And I don't like it. And let's be very clear. The whole thing Jesus was working on was, guys... This cannot be about personality. This can't be about ego stuff. This cannot be about you looking to somebody outside of yourself. You have to do this. Right. And so whether Jesus is in the room with you or whether he's in the ethers looking at you, you're still thinking about ego and personality. And that means that you have missed the point. Right. And I think for me, that's just another excuse not to take responsibility for your own actions. It's like, you know, it, it's no different than the devil made me do it. Exactly. Oh, well, the ascended masters are, you know, guiding me with their photon rays or whatever. And, and how I mean, is, it's just... That is it's no... Just, I mean, it's, if you it's look no into... Different than, oh, my it's, God, no. It's no different than, than the mainstream version of that where there's angels all over the place. And, and once again, that's not the point of all of this right and and let me let me be clear because we're being flippant about this and i don't want listeners to feel like we're not taking this seriously because if there are people out there that believe in guardian angels if there are people out there that believe that their past relatives are watching over them or 
whatever whatever it is that they or they do believe in some form of the ascended master I don't want them to feel like they're not allowed to do that or believe that or feel that or anything like that that's if that's what you if that's where you're at and that's where your heart is at then fine that's totally totally cool right you do you that's awesome but I have to say where does that get you? Let's say that all of this is real. Let's say that, you know, you got your black belt ascended masters that are doing this and and the world is surrounded by guardian angels and all of this and that. That's wonderful. How does that help me get over what I'm supposed to be getting over? I just, even if the, even if it does exist, how does it get me from point A to point B. And because that is what my interest is. My interest is, again, going back to everything that we usually talk about on the podcast and everything that we do in our lives. How do you live a full life? How do you live a, not a full life, but also a fulfilling life? Right. How do you get there? Because that's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in doing. I'm interested in feeling and growing and helping and and moving and all of it. I'm not interested in staying still. And, you know, and it kind of creeps me out that, you know, angels are watching me all the time. But see, that's the thing. If you believe that Jesus is some kind of ascended master, that's no different than the story that you used to tell, Jenny, about when you were in a very mainstream Christian tradition and you were worried that Jesus would come for you when you were in the tub. Yeah, didn't want to be naked. That is no different when you really think about it. And that's funny because a lot of the kind of people who believe in ascended masters will take time to tell you how closed-minded mainstream Christians are. And it's really the same belief system. It's just a different set of vocabulary. So pay attention to that, please. But also pay attention to the fact that, yes, of course, believe whatever you need to believe in order to move you forward. But remember, the name of the game is moving forward. And specifically, the name of the game is moving forward through a power that you interact with directly. No intermediaries. Now, Jesus was very clear about that over and over again. This is about you, your faith, your motion. And if you're always looking to some other personality to fix you or to advocate for you, now think about that for a minute. If there's only one presence and one power, you certainly don't need someone to argue in your favor or intervene in your favor because that means that there's room for bad guys too. Right, And this exactly. becomes a problem very quickly. Now, once again, just as you've said, that's a valid belief system. But it is not our belief system. We don't have room for a, a whole bunch of, okay, that's a little bit more God, that's a little bit less God. This guy's got some superpowers and this guy doesn't. There's bad guys over here going to get you. You need a guardian angel. All of these things become... Or just life. Life is bad. The world is bad. And you need your guardian angel watching out so you don't step into the street at the wrong moment. Right. It's like, what? And if that comforts you, that's fine. But remember, at the end of the day, the object here is to be free from intermediaries, free from separation, free from ego stuff. Yeah, I don't want somebody in the middle of my God experience. I don't. And I don't care how fancy they are or what they've done or, you know, or what their resume looks like, whether that's Buddha, Muhammad, Jesus. 
I'm impressed with what they do and I think that I aspire to that level for sure. Right. But don't get between me and my God. I don't know. Well, I, I don't want that. That, and, that. For me, I don't want that. And once again, that is not what Jesus talked about. He was very clear about that. So the thing is, do I believe in ascended masters? No. Do I believe in channeled material? No, I don't. If someone else believes in that, that's fine. But my point of view is all of that is ultimately disempowering. Right. Even if even if it is happening, even if it's all true, it still creates separation because you are saying that there is somebody someplace else that has access to something that you don't. Well, and it's also... And I don't like that. It's an appeal to a distant ego, but it's also egotistical in a different way because what I'm really saying is there is nothing better in the universe than what I got going on in my life. And so these these ascended masters or ufo people or ghosts or whatever they their whole afterlife is just watching me brush my teeth and change a tire on my car it's like the worst reality show so it's egotistical because i need some other ego to fix it for me but it's also egotistical because i really believe that after you go on to the next life or whatever your whole job is just to watch me yeah. That's not okay either. And in fact, if the afterlife is just watching other people live their lives, I don't want to go. Right. I don't I was <laughs> going to say do not sign me up yeah. for the guardian angel. But that's not, you know, maybe the biker gang. I would No, do I would I'd go on the subway cuz you get a cool beret, but in a flashlight. But <laughs> right? are there those things anymore? I don't think so. But, but any, <laughs> the point is the point is either sign way. Sign me up. Either way and both ways. <laughs> It's an appeal to ego and personality, and I understand that because nobody wants to feel alone. It's comforting to right. think that, that, that people are watching out for you, and I love that. But you know what? You don't need that. There's just God. There's no bad guys. There's no boogeyman. You're part of the same thing always, that your relatives and that Jesus Christ and that every other hero you ever have, we're all part of that same wonderful presence and power. You don't need someone watching over you like the right. grandpa in the family circus cartoon and when you think about it it's really it doesn't hold up it sounds like a bad stephen king novel doesn't it it just it's weird yeah there's there's it's just an or an l ron hubbard yeah Aha. yeah except, you know that's well and that's those. the other thing it makes me think of is is when religion gets really complicated i always start to squint a little bit because the stuff that jesus talked about was very very straightforward but doesn't doesn't it feel better when it's simple? I mean, anything breakdown the best ice cream, few ingredients. The you know the. the it depends on the kind of person you are. You know, I just it, it, I just really feel things that are in their simplest forms are the best. Okay, but I really really I do. I agree, but we're on the same page most of the time. I got to tell you. There's something really, really empowering about the fact that this little organization is you and me and Miles and Raina are there with us and there's a small group of people who are there with us making all of this stuff work. And there's some really wonderful people who are a part of this. But there's no bureaucracy. We want something done. We just do it. Right. And I love that. Yeah. It's very, very simple. No nonsense. We just do whatever needs to be done. I love that. In my day job, I work for a 
very, very large company. The company's been around since like 1919 or something. Tens of thousands of employees all over the world. And it's a big deal. And I work with some very nice people, but it's one of those things where if you want something done, you need to call a meeting, there's paperwork to be filled out, somebody's got to approve it, it takes a very long time to get things done. Well, for a guy like me, that's very, very frustrating. But I know from working here and from working in other big companies, there are people who are so comforted by the bureaucracy because for one thing, it means you don't have to do much of anything. You can call the meeting and launch this email ship that will come back from the new world in a few weeks. And there are people who just can really live in that world and really love that because it's there's this wonderful security blanket. Mm. And I think in a not too different way, there are people that like a religious system with a lot of moving parts to it because it takes away your responsibility ultimately. Right. There's a huge machine that you have to, you push a lever and then you wait and then the gumball drops out, spiritually speaking, a long time later. That doesn't work for me. And like I said, Jesus said that's not the way it works. He said, look, love God, love each other, everything else is going to be okay. That was it. This is not complicated. But, and I've, I've quoted this before, it's one of my favorite Charles Fillmore quotes. He said, when religion becomes a trade, it develops trade secrets. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people make religion complicated because they have a real spiritual calling to do that. And their hearts are in the right place. It's just not a place that you or I understand. Other times, people make religion complicated because there's money in it. Yeah. If I just tell people, be nice to each other because we're all children of God, it's hard for me to sell a dozen books and special necklaces and hats and CDs and whatever because I just got done telling you, you don't need that. Right. And so... There is a rich mechanism in some mainstream religions and in some quote-unquote New Age religions. And some people are in that because their hearts are in the right place. And some people are in that because it's a great way to make sure there's a new product. So I think if somebody came up to us or to you or I individually, I think if the question arose is, where is Jesus at? Where, you know, where did he go? Where is he at? I think that my answer would be, well, what does it matter? Mm-hmm. You know, I think ultimately that would be, I mean, you can sit and you can talk over a long cup of coffee about what scholars have thought and where Jesus might be and, you know, all of this and that. But I think ultimately, again, it comes down to even Jesus, who was so beautiful in his teachings and such an exemplary standout person. Mm-hmm. Even Jesus can't get between me and my God. It doesn't matter and where Jesus is. And he never wanted to. Right. And it doesn't matter where Jesus is. And it matters not to me. All that I know is that I can get to that place. All that I know is that that is my goal. And it and it and it so it doesn't matter. So I think if somebody would were to ask again, well, where is Jesus? What happened? You know, I would say, I don't know. And does it matter? And we're not supposed to be looking for him. Right. He was very clear, don't come looking for me, you know, he said in so many words. Jesus never said, I'm the destination. He said, I'm the way. Right. And that's very important. We're not supposed to be looking for Jesus. In fact, he asked us not to. What I would say is the same thing the Apostle Paul said, Christ in you is your hope of glory. 
the question of where he he is now is a trivia question. I'm also not clear on where Danny Bonaducci is. It doesn't matter. But I don't want to find him. Yeah, there is an important distinction. I really don't. But the point is, that's not... There are artists, not that Jesus was an artist, but there are artists who created works of art. We're supposed to appreciate the art and let the beauty of that change us. It doesn't matter what Picasso liked for breakfast. Right. That's not the point. And that is the stuff of, of, of supermarket tabloids, what these people do in their personal life, for example. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying people are looking at Jesus in the same way they're looking at the people on the cover of those magazines. But, but it's it, not a different mentality. I was going to say, it's not too far off. You know? what, that where Jesus is now is no more important than what size Birkenstocks he wore. It's an interesting thing if, you, if it comes up on Trivial Pursuit. But he asked us not to go looking. You know, people don't know where Charles and Myrtle Fillmore's ashes are either for uh, not different reasons because you begin worshiping material stuff and that's so far from the point. Christ in you is your hope of glory. In other words, Jesus' whole mission was to remind you of who you are. And he said over and over again in so many words, the only thing different about me is that I know who I am. So if someone were to ask me where Jesus is, I think I might say, where are you? Not just physically. Turn it around. Where's your heart? Where's your head right now? Yeah. Are you looking to... Are you looking to some ego thing to fix it for you or watch over you or to remove responsibility from you? Gosh, that's not going to get you where you want to go. Do you need some complicated set of gears and wires and machinery and merchandise to make sure you got there spiritually? Because all you need is love. So as we get into our Listen Up segment, and this is the place where people send us in their questions, there's a lot of ways to do that, as you know. But this time, Jenny, somebody sent in a question, and and I would love for you to read it. This one comes from Michelle R., and she asks, I have a two-part question. What should I do if I can't find a church that I like going to? Hmm. And what's a good reason for finding one in the first place? Wow. And I think we should take the second part of that question first. I, th- I think we, okay. should, we should break it down. That makes sense because finding I, it is more, you know, yeah, I, I'm with you. Well, I just think if you find it, if you have a good reason to go to church, you're going to be more enthusiastic about trying to find one. So yeah. I want to I clarify that first. So, so let's break that down first and say what's a good reason for finding one in the first place? So what would you what would you say to that? Because I know what I would say to it, but go ahead. I read the question; it's your turn. Okay. So, so finding the reason why we go to church isn't because it makes us more spiritual. It isn't because it makes God show up for us. We believe that God is everywhere. That we know this. So why go to church? Well, you've got all the answers inside of you, of course. But you know what? You've also got everything it takes inside of you to know, you know, advanced calculus. But boy, oh boy, it's sure a lot lot more helpful to go to a math class. You, know, you go to school, you work on this stuff, you support one another. And I have to tell you that when I teach classes, which I do a lot, inevitably the first night of every class I say, I don't have an attendance policy. Life happens, come as much as you want to come. It's my job to make this 
as captivating as I can so that you want to be here. If you don't want to be here, then it's my fault for not doing something or you're not supposed to be here. So either way, I'm not going to do that. However, I want you to be here as much as you can, students, because you get something out of this interaction. Also, you're going to ask questions. And there's somebody else in this room who has that question on their heart, but they don't know it yet. Or somebody in the room that has the answer. Sure. But one way or another, there is something very powerful in community. We, we bring that together. And after all, as, as you know, church just means a, a community of called out people. It comes from the Greek word ecclesia, which means the called out ones. And so there's something really powerful about the accountability, the reinforcement, all of that. On top of that, we're social people. You know, there's a reason why you go to the movies, even though you've got a, you know, a Blu-ray player or whatever, and it costs a million dollars for popcorn, and they won't let you bring your coffee in. Why won't they let you bring your coffee in? I don't know. I this, still haven't figured out. They don't that sell out. coffee in the movie theater. No, All I want is a cup of coffee. I know. Anyway. I know. <laughs> I just got like 70 years old. <laughs> but get off my lawn. But the, the point is, we still want to go to the movie, and you know when... Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 comes out, I'll be there on the opening night oh, and yes. don't even get me started about Star Wars. That's a religious experience. Right. And that will always be the case. The sound quality on the CD player in your car is way better than what it sounds like to go to a concert, but you still go to the concert sometimes. Well, I think for me, it really just is comforting to be around like-minded people. Mm -hmm. it, it just, it is. It's just you're able to take a breath because the way that I sort of look at my life is that a lot of times when I'm at the grocery store or I'm shopping or any any at a restaurant I really feel like I am a representative for a positive Christian not just a unity person but somebody in the world that is actually making a difference I really do make the effort to smile at people, to talk to somebody, to look people in the eye, to do all of that because I don't know where other people are coming oh, from. Oh man, you don't know what somebody's and, working and on. And you in don't their know life. what they're coming. So if you can be that one shining moment in somebody's day that they weren't expecting, or you know, give a good tip to somebody, or just smile, or say hello or laugh with somebody or joke with somebody, you know, I just really feel. So when I am out in the world, I really do feel like it is my responsibility as a person to be an ambassador for, for good and for joy and for happy. And I think when I go to church, that responsibility is lifted a little bit mm -hmm. because I feel like I can almost take a breath and be recharged. You sure. know, I, I really do feel that because I'm surrounded by like-minded people. I'm surrounded by people that maybe I can get that smile from. And for me, church is a place that fills me up. It's my, it is my spiritual gas station. It really is. So whether it's somebody who's recommending a book or a good recipe, or we're talking about something really passionate you know, something that's going on in the Bible, or even if we're talking about politics or something like that, when you're surrounded by those, the people that feel the way that you feel, you get answers and you get 
you you lose that sense of maybe hopelessness that you that you feel sometimes when it is just you against the world you know and you, everybody's yeah. got those moments they of really course. do of course and so for me that's why i find comfort in going to a church and let's be clear our church right now is is fairly small you know we have we have a couple of people that we really kind of gravitate to and and i and i love that I actually, but it doesn't have, it's not the size, it's, you know, it's not the quantity, it's the quality, right? Yeah, that's it's what not I, that's the number, it's, it's the life change. But right. the other thing too is that everything that you just described is activity and work. You know, we're working on something together, we're chewing on something, we're coming up with answers. And that's really important. It says a lot about the kind of person you are. But also I think it says a lot about what church is supposed to do. I do think that church should be a safe place. I do think that church should have a validating element to it, for mm-hmm. example. But I really think that the validation comes as a byproduct. Right. I think that the camaraderie and all of that, which is beautiful, wonderful, comes as a side effect of the fact that we're all working on something together. I don't go to church to be validated. Right. I go to church to be challenged. And so I want to put out there the idea that church should feel less like a, a steam bath, you know, and more like when when you whether you've done it personally or whether you've just seen it on TV, the group of people in a plane about to jump out, they're parachuting. Mm-hmm. Or if you've ever done a ropes course, when you're in that group of people, are like, okay, here we go. Or even if you're all gonna go play laser tag, whatever it is, when you're like, okay, we're together and we're about to go do this thing. Right. I like the jumping out of a plane metaphor the best. <laughs> but everybody has some feeling of that. Everybody can touch on that a little bit. I think that church should feel like that. We're going to change the world. We're going to be better. And we're going to make a difference in the world. We're going to help people. We're going we're gonna to demand answers in the world. This yeah. is the beginning of some little revolution of love and kindness, radical love. And we're going to be a part of that. That's exciting and that's demanding. And we're in this together. Right. I think that that's what church is supposed to feel like. I think a lot of times people don't treat church that way. They treat church like it's a, a, a walled off fortress from the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. I think that, that sometimes church is a place where you can go to be validated in your current set of prejudices, for example. And... I love that the things that you just described were all about we're working on something. We're not we're not medicating with church. That's the opposite. You know what I mean? And so why do we go to church? Well, we don't go to church to be medicated. We don't go to church to close our eyes to the world. We don't go to church to build a wall, but instead to build a bridge. We go to church so that we can get together to work on something. And that's the thing. You got to admit that that biologically we are wired for community. That's one of the reasons that doing things like going to the movies and concerts speaks to us. Mm-hmm. You got to admit that that personally, psychologically, you don't ever do anything alone. Nobody does anything alone. That's a big part of growing up as you recognize that we're all in this together. Right. And so when church works right, it is a validation of, man, all of us together is so much more powerful than any one of us. Yeah, wherever agreed. two or more are gathered in my name and the reason for that is things like accountability there's some kind of power there and so church just like any religious ritual 
is a declaration of I mean it. And man, that is really powerful. So so let's go back to the first part of the question because I think we've answered why is there a good reason to go to church and, and you have you obviously asked the right people, but <laughs> what if people can't find a church that does that for them? And I think I have my answer. Okay. And my answer to that is do it yourself. You know, I mean, do it with your family. Do it with your friends. If, if Church does not have to be, church is not a building and church does not have to be a place that that you go that has all of the rituals and stuff. It doesn't have to be that. Make Start your own traditions. Start your own rituals. Maybe... Maybe church for you means getting up on Sunday morning and making pancakes with your family and sitting down and talking about what it means to be a better person and and walking away with a to-do list and sending your kids out into the world with better answers. That can be church too. Right. And until you can find, and I guarantee you, if you start there, you will find more people that are thinking about, that are coming over for pancakes. Maybe you invite somebody else. <laughs> well, that's or how maybe, Unity started, you know? Right, I mean, or it's... maybe you will eventually. Somebody, if you set your mind that way, that you really are doing church, somebody somewhere is going to say, hey, I found this really awesome place. Would you like to come along? It's going to happen. Some doors will be open to you. Something where is going to happen if you just put your mind in that mindset that it doesn't have to be a particular building. It doesn't have to be a particular place. Do church on your own terms and don't be afraid to do that. And I would also say there's no perfect church as far as a physical institution. The nicest, slickest organizations have got weirdness in them because Part of what a church is, is it's a hospital. And that means people go there for healing because they're working on something. So first of all, I would say, I think it's it's wise to go keep looking. There's nothing wrong with that. And you may surprise yourself if you change what it is that you're looking for. But on the other hand, just as you said, Jenny, Jesus didn't build a building. You know, this is about something different church is not a place you go and in fact if you really think it's a place you go i don't know if you're going to be able to get a lot of church things out of it because you're going to get prayed up well i I think also the negative things about it are going to stick out like a sore thumb and they're going to start to really annoy you because that's not really what you're looking for well this goes back to fish love doesn't it right it does because people aren't perfect institutions aren't perfect and churches are Sometimes kind of messy. And sometimes you just don't want to get involved with it. And I get that. I have been to churches like that where I'm just like, whoa, okay, too much. Too much mess. Don't want to clean up. I'm going to back away. And then there are other ones that have been okay that we have been to. But really it's like, ooh, am I getting something out of this? You're not going to get one size does not fit all here. You know, right. you're you're not going to get perfection in any place that you, that you go. But how about bringing that attitude and trying to make that change in in maybe a place that's not so perfect. Right. Well, and there's something to be said for if you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're love with. Love the one you're with. And so right. you've got to decide what speaks to your heart because right. there's no one model. I will say there are some ground rules. It says 
love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your might, right? That's, that's the deal. And so what I'm saying is for it to really be church, it's got to involve a number of facets of who you are. It is not enough. I've heard people say, well, I just, you know, I take a walk in the park and that's church to me. And I'm like, okay, well, that's beautiful. And I love that you do that, but that's not the same. Because getting to be out there in nature, that's great, and that fills you, but you're not thinking about what you're going to do to make a difference in the world. Mm. It's not organized in that way, and it's not demanding. Church is supposed to demand something from you in the same way that school does. You're supposed to rise to the occasion. And if all you do is walk around trees or by the shoreline or whatever, awesome, but there's some accountability that you're missing there, Mm -hmm. and you're not going to grow. It's therapeutic, and that's great, but that's not the same. If you're watching some preacher on TV and you you like what they say, that's great. But what are you saying? You know? And so it's not just the making pancakes, but the part of, did you talk about God's stuff? Did you talk about how you're going to make the world better and what what good happened and what good you can do and and who you really are as a child of God. These kinds of things, heart, soul, mind, might, did you do something about it? In other words, did you take yourself out of receive-only mode and do you have some kind of a tool that has changed you and through which you can change the world? Then and only then it's church because the word church, once again, means the called out ones. So the ground rule is do you feel called out by that thing you do? Whether you go in a room on Sunday morning with a lot of other people and watch somebody up on a stage talk, or whether it's Tuesday night with your friends. Right. It ain't church if you ain't called out. So there, there is a rule there. I'm not going to let anybody off the hook and just say, well, you church can just be anything. That's not exactly true. And I know that's not what you're saying either, but I just want to be very, very clear. It's not that anything goes. It's that you have to find something that really calls you out. Because there are lots of people that go to a traditional church and don't feel called out. Right. That's what I was just going to say. That, you know, that's the fast food, fast food religion that we were talking about. Yeah. So. And I want to talk more about that sometime too. But right now, I just want to plant the seed that church shouldn't be measured by how many people show up. This is not McDonald's with billions served or whatever. This is about lives changed. So where can you find change? Where can you really think about your spiritual identity and where can you find what you need in order to do something about it in the world? That's the name of the game. We've moved into our check it out portion of the podcast (laughs) that lets you know where we're going to be and what we're up to for the next couple of weeks. And the first thing that we want to tell you about is May 2nd, Dieter is teaching a Bible class at First Unity. And you want to talk a little bit more about that? Well, I'm really excited about it. I mean, the Bible is is our primary textbook. It's you got to read the Bible. You just have to. You need to know how to speak Bible. It it will change your life. And if you've had a negative experience with Bible stuff, you need to come to the class all the more. But it's going to be great. Uh, th- this class is going to be at First Unity, and that's uh, 
firstunity.org or you can just go to our website and go to the events section and and you can find out more about it but it starts on uh, may the 2nd and it's a seven week class there's and no prerequisites no nothing right and that's tuesdays at 7 p.m yeah from 7 and to then 8:30. on may 21st you're going to be doing a solo run at First Unity. You're going to be doing the service there. And then the and then the next time we're doing a book signing is going to be June 25th um, in North Tampa. We're taking a little time off um, to celebrate our son's graduation, which is coming up, and our anniversary, which is coming up. So there's a little bit of gap in our our presentations and our book signings and our events and and I have to say as much as as much as I have been loving them lately I am really grateful for a little bit of time off just to celebrate us and our family and just spend some time together well and I also want to say that uh, one of the reasons that we're taking a little bit of time off too is we are almost done tinkering with a little project that we will share more uh, about in the coming weeks, maybe even next time, we'll see. But uh, there's something that we've been working on that's just sort of a dream come true for us. And uh, we're going to get to talk more about that. Big changes, up. folks. Big changes. So be be on the lookout for that. Yeah. And I just want to sort of tag on here um, that we have been getting together. I know that this has been sort of talking about this episode has been focused a lot around community and church and stuff yeah. like that. So I just wanted to mention really quick, Wednesday mornings around 7.20, we have been inviting people to come walk with us um, at uh, North Shore Park, right? That's it, where well, everybody parks? If you look, there's there's two parking lots that are very close to each other, and one is North Shore Park and one is North Shore Beach. But if you meet right at the beach part, We'll right, see each other. Right, and so that's seven twenty, usually a.m. on Wednesday mornings, and we kind of get together. And you know, the time is weird, so we don't always get to see the sunrise, but it is usually just coming up or or has just risen. And it's a beautiful come walk with us, come talk with us, and and be there. The other time that you can kind of come out is Sunday evenings, a half hour before sunset. Check your weather app. We are at St. Pete Beach. And we watch the sunset together and we've been doing that now for the last three or four weeks and it has been a wonderful experience. Never the same crowd. It's always been different yeah. crowds, different people. Well, and we weren't even there last time, but people, No, you could probably hear it in my voice. People from our crew were yeah, there. Yeah, you could yeah. probably hear my voice, but after, after uh, Easter, I got really sick and I have been overcoming this health challenge for the last couple of days I almost have the last little bit of yuck out of my system so apologize if my voice has been a little bit nasally but that's why it's it's um it's going in but anyway I digress please come join us on Sundays um for sunset yeah we meet Saint about Pete a Beach. half hour half hour before, before sunset, sunset a little bit south of the Don Cesar right so so check your check your clocks and check your weather apps and See when sunset is and come come join us. It has been such a beautiful, beautiful experience. So I just wanted to let people know. I don't think that we've talked about that on the podcast very much. Not much. We mentioned it a little bit. But I, I did want to say, too, that there are all kinds of ways to get a hold of us. You know, we just did the Listen Up segment. And I want to make sure that people know that we really love getting your questions. And you can go to our website, unitysociety.com, and contact us and and send us your questions through that we are very 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 active on social media so go to our website and you'll have links to where to find us on facebook instagram twitter 
what have you. There's all kinds of ways to get a hold of us, whether you're trying to send us a question or just want to link up to go to do the sunset thing or, or whatever. I love how this little community is developing and I want to double down on that because it's just been so much fun. So, Dieter, um, let's wrap it up. I'd just like to observe a moment of silence there. Um, okay. Church is about liberation. It's about revolution. It's about growth. And all of those things are about work. They're about demanding something extra from within us. They're about calling forth the Christ, about speaking the truth. So where you need to go to do that, well, that's where you need to go. I'd love it if you would look around and and find a church that speaks to you. In fact, I think that's how things change. We want you to go to your church as the spiritual equivalent of an informed consumer. Because believe it or not, you can make a difference in your church if you're the kind of person that isn't just there for therapeutic reasons, but is there for motivational reasons, to work, to change, to grow, and to experience the community of growth. You can make a change because at the end of the day, your church is going to give you what you bring to it, right? So I do want you to try and find a church, but even if it's not a traditional building and all of that, even if it's you and your friends around the dinner table, A lot of churches actually start that way, by the way. Go where your community of called out ones calls you out. Be a part of that. Be be a vigorous, active part of that. It's not about where some personality is. It's not about where Jesus went. It's about where you are. Because where you are, God is. This podcast is recorded at Pinfeather Studios, on the beautiful and comfortable orange couch. Majestic. Majestic. And uh, Pinfeather Studios is uh, run by the handsome and strong Raina Randolph, and she and her brother, the lovely and talented Miles Randolph, provide our music. This podcast is solely supported by you. And you know what that means because you've been listening to this podcast for a while. What it means is we're counting on you to do two things. Two things. It'll take you almost no time at all, and it makes all the difference in the world. First of all, please spread the word. Tell somebody about this. Go read articles on unitysociety.com and use those links to share the articles. That's a really big deal. If something touched your heart or made you ask a question, let somebody else know. There's ways you can comment on the on the articles and on the podcast episodes. Let us know what you want to know. Let's Let's talk. Let's Share this community. Spread the word for us. That's part one. Spread the word. And part two is we need you to stop what you're doing right now, unless you're driving. And wherever you're listening to this podcast, whether it's SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, whatever it is, there is op- there is a way for you to leave a review. Leave the highest review you can, a five-star review, because that's what makes the mechanism work and lets that venue, whether it's iTunes or whatever, it lets them start spreading the word about our podcast. So the two things you can do, spread the word yourself, write a good review. And if you do that, that's how you support what we're doing. And we're very, very grateful. Thanks for listening and have a wonderful week.